Amen. David, if you'd only shared a scripture, that could have been our sermon. Shucks. Now you guys got to listen to me for 20 minutes or so. Oh, thank you, Pastor David. I appreciate your insight, your love for our church family. One of the many things I love about our church family is how we serve together. How, although each of us are different, we come from different places, we have different gifts, different experiences, different personalities, that when we come together, we form this body called Southview, and we can do things together that we cannot do on our own, and we're not supposed to do on our own. We are a body. That's why the Scripture uses the body, a human body, as an example, a picture, if you will, of what it means to complement one another and work together. I see it in organizations like our deacons. I see it in our church council, even our sanctuary planning team that we got together with others in addition to the church council, the different viewpoints, the different gifts working together. I love to see it, especially when we do things that are big that we need our whole church, like Vacation Bible School. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year when, you know, it's crazy, it's dirty, and everybody's tired, but it's just so cool because we're doing things together that we can't do alone. And of course, our Easter pageant, this day of resurrection. We've got another spring here where we're not going to be able to do this day of resurrection. We hope in 2023, COVID will be done and we'll be able to, but where everybody has a job, and as I always tease, some people have five jobs when it comes to Easter pageant, that we serve together. We serve together. We do what God's called us to. We bring Him glory. And this afternoon, or at noon, because it will be afternoon, uh, we're going to talk about our sanctuary and what it means when all of us come together, and we'll discuss it together with our various viewpoints and our vision for our sanctuary, but it's also our vision for our church. And it's this idea of what is God doing among us and what is our faith to respond to Him? Because we can say we have faith and we can believe we have faith for eternity, but do we also have faith that God's going to help us manage our finances as individual families and as a church in order to do something that's this big. It's also about what this sanctuary means for God's glory. Because when we do something that is bigger than any of us can do on our own, when we come together, but we also make space for God to do something God-sized, He gets the glory, not us. It's not anything we did. So I'm looking forward to that discussion this afternoon and to seeing where we go and decide to go as a church family. God made us into a church. We are part of a body, a family to work together. Our service today, or our sermon today is on gifted service. That's the fourth of our five values is gifted service. And uh, you've got our scripture there. And if you haven't already turned to Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, We'll read that in just a moment as we talk about gifted service. If you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word, would you do so? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. 
If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is mercy, or if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Amen. May God add to the reading of his word. Thank you. You could be seated. When we consider who God has made us to be, we drafted this statement a few years ago about gifted service. And that's on your sermon outline, and it's on the screen right now. We recognize that God's given each of us unique talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts, and we'll serve individually and together for the glory of God. We always function better together as the body of Christ. You've got a handful of scriptures referenced there, one of which we're using right now. We always function better together. And we serve for the glory of God and we do it as a body, as a family. Verse 3. Verse 3, we will put on the screen there for us to consider together. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So Paul is writing to church at Rome and he says, By the grace given him, he's going to give us some instruction. So it's by God's grace for our edification. Granted, our edification is God's grace, isn't it? If God wants us to know more of who he is, of what he is doing, of how he works. If he wants us to know his will, that's his grace to us. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought Now, it's our human nature to think of ourselves more highly than than we ought. At least we think of ourselves more often than we should. We probably do both things, depending on the time, depending on the moment. Um, We have this nature that is a fleshly nature, a sin nature, as the Bible describes it, that thinks of ourselves and what is comfortable to us, what is pleasurable to us, what is uncomfortable, what is unpleasurable, these things we avoid. What will make us happy? What will bring us joy or satisfaction? And we don't always think of others like we should. He says, but rather, rather than thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. We have a certain toddler in our church who's known for his sober resting face. If you know who this is, you might be chuckling. The rest of you will be looking at the toddlers in our church. But he has this face in which he's, hmm, he's just thinking about things intently, and you know that. Now, it might not be on your face, but Scripture encourages us to be sober. When I was a kid, I thought of this word in reference to alcohol and being sober versus being drunk. But it's so much more than that. It is sober in our mind. That means that we're settled, stayed thoughtful, considerate of our lives. And what does it say here? Rather think of ourselves with sober judgment, considering who we are in relation to God and in relation to others. And then notice the final phrase, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So it's God's grace that Paul is writing to give us this edification or instruction, not to think of ourselves more highly, rather with sober judgment. And we do that by God's faith. Because if you're listening to that and you're going, Pastor Aaron, I have a hard time doing that. Aha! On your own, you are going to have a hard time doing that. But it's by God's grace 
through his faith, not unlike our salvation, that God is going to give you that ability. So your first point on your outline says that we are humble by faith. It's not on your own that you generate this sort of humility. You can work towards humility, but you will always fall up short. You can have circumstances in your life that hinder you, but you won't get all the way there. In order to be humble like God intends you to be humble, God has to do it. We have to say, I can't, but God can. I'm sinful, God's righteous. I'm limited, but God's unlimited. I'm selfish, but God is otherish. And that same understanding leads to our humility. If you aren't humble, you will be humbled. Pride leads to humiliation, which is what pride seeks to avoid. But something about our pride and our self-righteousness that gets us into trouble, that seeks to humble us, if we will learn the lesson. So your question there is, what's my posture What is your posture as you consider something like this this morning? Are you bowed up and mad that I'm talking about humility? That would demonstrate your pride. It's from Scripture. It's not from me. Or are you humble and willing to say, okay, God, what is it about the subject of humility that I need to learn today? What do I need to surrender to you, God, and stop trying to do on my own today? Humility is about God's will and your life, and the life of others around you. Humility is about others' needs. Humility is about God's glory. It's a posture. It's an attitude. It's an outlook. Let's move on with verse 4 in your outline. Verse 4 there says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, you know you do. You got all your parts and, you know, You know how they work together, even though you may not be a medical doctor, you know hands do certain things and eyes do certain things, and maybe you don't understand how your digestive system works other than, you know, you eat food and it does what it does, but you know it works. And these members do not all have the same function, and you know all the parts of your body are different. You don't have just a whole bunch of thumbs. You've got two thumbs, hopefully, and all the other parts that work together. We're different by design is your second point. Verse 4 says that we're different by design. That with our physical body as analogy of our spiritual body of a church family, we're different by design. We don't all have the same abilities. We talk around here about our shape. And it's an acronym. S is for spiritual gifts. H is for your heart. A is for your abilities. P is for your personality. E is for your experience. Shape. That we're all shaped differently and you're you, there's no other you, and God has called you to be you in order that you might serve Him. What if I'm not talented like I'd like? Well, maybe God didn't intend you to have that talent. Or maybe He wants you to persevere and work on it, get some coaching, get some instruction, and you can develop that talent. What if I'm not gifted as I like? Well, if it comes to spiritual gifts, God gives those when you're born again, just like you're born with natural talents or abilities when you're physically born. When you're born again, you're given spiritual gifts. I don't think you can change that, but you can use what you have, which leads to our second question. And that second question is, how do I fit? If I'm different by design, if I'm not supposed to be like Al McCracken, and be able to play the lead guitar so cool like he does every week, faithfully. 
I mean, I could probably learn how to play guitar, but I don't think I'd ever play it like Al, because Al's Al, and he's got his own thing. And, you know, I don't have a singing voice like Karen Bay, and you don't want me to try. <laughs> Thank you. My wife wasn't even here to comment on that, man. Or Mary Elizabeth to roll her eyes at me. Yes, I said that. Seth is now going to be texting. Mary Elizabeth, Daddy just said this about you. They're in Texas. They'll be back tomorrow. How do I fit, though? As God's called me with my personality, my experience, my talents, my abilities, all that I am, and wait a second, all that I am not, that God intends to develop in me when I take a step of faith, when I go do the thing He's called me to do, that then He develops in me strengths and abilities that I didn't even know I had. You know, there are some of you around here that think, oh, you know, I would really like to serve in children's ministry, teaching or doing this or doing that, but I don't have the blank. And all along, God's saying to you, you know, if you just take that step of faith, you'd find out I'd develop that gift. You know, you might have taken your shape survey and you would say, oh, I don't have the spiritual gift of teaching. You know what? You don't have to have the spiritual gift of teaching to teach. Maybe the class God has called you to teach needs the spiritual gift of wisdom. Maybe they need the spiritual gift of mercy because there's a bunch of wise guys in there. I don't know what it is, but God knows if you'll say yes to what he's calling you to, he's not going to call you somewhere. He's not going to sustain you that he hasn't equipped you. How do you fit in? Something for you to consider. We're different by design. Move on to verse 5. The fifth verse in this passage of Scripture It says, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in Christ, just like our physical body, we have many parts, but we all belong to each other. And it's when we serve together that we see ourselves maximized in what we can do. Your third point in your outline says that you're made to belong. You're made to belong. Pastor Rick Warren said this, you're made to belong, not just believe. Yeah, we want everybody here and everybody online to believe Jesus is their personal Savior and Lord, to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, to live a life to glorify Him. But God didn't make you just to believe in Jesus. God made you to belong to others. And that is clear throughout the Bible, particularly the New Testament, that God made us to belong together. And modern research and church health bears that out. When researchers do studies and find out why people leave a church, they leave a church because they feel like, number one reason, they didn't belong. They didn't have relationships that gave them life, that sustained them, that they felt that they complimented others and others helped them. That's why we're talking about as a church life together. We've got the bulletin board out there. We did our after church training, why we talk about intentional relationships. It's who we are because we see we need it. Let's get your third question on your outline. And that third question is, how am I created to be? Not to do, not what am I created to do, but how am I created to be? How did God create you to be? What did He put in you that is your shape? One more commercial for the shape survey. If you haven't already, they're on the information counter out there. Grab one today. 
take a couple minutes and answer all the spiritual gifts, heart, abilities. In order to answer the spiritual gifts, don't guess. Fill out the survey that's in the pages following. And what do you do with it then? Once you're done, share that with me or one of the other pastors members. We'll just make a copy or even take a picture of the first page so we know what your shape is. But you get to keep that for yourself. So grab one of those today if you haven't already. You find out how God created you. Let's move on with our next verse, verse 6. Verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. There's that grace again. Paul started this passage of Scripture by saying, God's given me this grace to give you this message. It's by faith you're going to do these things. And there's grace again. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Each have different gifts, each by different grace. It's to God's grace, but specific to us. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And we'll start this list here in a minute. These, what I would call motivational gifts, these things that God puts in us for who we are. Your fourth point on your outline is that they're gifts of grace. We're made differently and we're made to belong, but we're given gifts of grace, each different according to the grace given us. So your question there is, what's the origin of my gifts? Where'd your gifts come from? God. By grace. We've got to make sure at this point that we get this right, that they're not from ourselves. They are gifts from God. Not unlike Ephesians 2, 8, 9, lest no one should boast. Yes, you can develop your talents. Yes, you can work on your abilities. Yes, you can gain experience. Yes, you can build your resume. But your spiritual gifts and all the physical abilities, mental abilities, the passions of your heart, God gives you by His grace. Let's go on then in verse 6, 7, and 8. It says there... That we have different gifts according to the grace of God. If it's prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. That's one gift, prophecy. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. Go on there to verse 8. If it's encouraging, let them give encouragement. If it's giving, let them give generously. If it's to lead, let them do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These are seven gifts of the many listed in the New Testament. You've got another list in 1 Corinthians 12 and another list in Ephesians 4 and a couple other spots that scholars debate that these are spiritual gifts that God might give you. And so these gifts are the way that God has wired us, not just with a natural ability or a talent, but a spiritual gift that has a spiritual purpose and a way to use in the benefit of others and the way to use for God's kingdom and a way to use for God's glory. You're unique. You and I look at each other and we see each other's faces. We see hair colors, we see eye colors, we see different characteristics about our bodies and how we are built. But if we could look at one another spiritually, we would be able to see that spiritually we have different characteristics as well. Spiritually we have different abilities. Almost like a spiritual x-ray through what we see on the outside to who you are on the inside. Which leads to our final question. If we're gifted for others, if we're gifted in order to do these things to the benefit of others for God's glory, is how do I exercise my gifts? How? 
Is there a way right now in your life that you know that you're exercising your spiritual gifts? Well, that portends the fact that you know what your spiritual gifts are if you haven't taken the shape survey. But also that you know how you're using them. Right now, our ministries have a variety of needs. In Awana, Miss Sandy needs uh, admin help, a Sparks director, uh, TNT director, and maybe an associate Awana ministry director as well. Doesn't mean that you're Sandy's heir apparent, but it does mean that we need help so she doesn't have to do five things every week. She really does an amazing job and puts in a lot of time. But if you have some administrative gifts and you'd like to serve our Awana ministry to teach boys and girls the gospel of Christ and train them to serve Him by learning the Bible week in and week out, talk to Sandy. Sandy's going to be down here at the front. She's playing the organ today, but after our invitation time, she's going to be here and she could talk to you. Sandy, raise your hand just in case they don't know you. That's Sandy back there. Our kids ministry, you know, in addition to leading you in worship with her guitar up here, Myra is also our children's director. And in our children's ministry, we need a fifth and sixth grade co-teacher. We need a fifth and sixth grade helper. That could be every other week or every week. And we need elementary subs. In our nursery, we need every worship hour, every Sunday of the month, we need somebody. In our um, Sunday school hour, we need first, third, and fourth Sunday help. So it'd be a once a month job if you were in the nursery during the worship hour or the Sunday school hour. Our live stream, we need one, I believe. Our adult discipleship, we could always use Sunday school teachers. And Pastor David will be down here to talk about that. Home group leaders, host homes, co-teachers, substitute teachers. If you've got ability or interest in learning about being an adult Sunday school teacher, home group leader, Pastor David's the man to talk to. Our deacon ministry, Chris is back there on the computer, our deacon chair. But we're always seeking out men called to serve our church. And maybe you haven't already said something or somebody had. Maybe you need to talk to Chris. Maybe if you've been approached by our deacons about being a yoke fellow to learn what it means to be a deacon, you just need to say yes because you know God's gifted you and called you. And even our pastors. We've got a handful of pastors around here, right? Pastor on hell's not here today, but David and Nathan and I. Yep, he is. Sorry, he wasn't over here. Thanks on hell, Sorry. Maybe God's called you to be a pastor. Maybe you need to talk to one of these guys about what that would look like. Our scripture verse today draws us to a conclusion. Let's read it together. Psalm 119, 35. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Psalm 119, 35. We know from Psalm 119, it's speaking specifically about God's commands, His Word for us in the Bible. But God also gives us commands in calling us to use our gifts to serve Him. And if we say that as a prayer, God, direct me in your commands how you want me to serve. We have that promise, then we'll have delight. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, We're thankful for your word, how it challenges us, how it instructs us, how it encourages us. And I pray that all those things have happened today. That my brothers and sisters, as they have heard your word, have been challenged, instructed, encouraged. And I pray that we'd surrender today whatever it is we need to surrender. We'd commit to wherever we need to commit. And Father, we pray for... 
uh, those that are here among us that are believers in Jesus, that maybe their commitment is to join our church family. They need to make that public today. Father, we pray for those who are not yet believers in Jesus. They're not saved. And if they were to die today, they don't think they'd go to heaven because they've never made that commitment that they'd talk to me or talk to someone and make that decision today. Whatever it is, God, would we surrender to you today? It's in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.